The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Welcome to the show. I am Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Folks, I have an outstanding show for you once again this week, as always. Last week, I was gone. I had an emergency. My son had a fever, 105 degrees, 105.4, actually. Uh, I had to run to the emergency room with him at the last second, right before the show. But Mike Kaspar was fortunate and happy enough to come on and cover for me. Thank you to Mike Kaspar for that. Of the coup of coups, Mike Kaspar had... Irvine Councilman Larry Agron on the show. Uh, that was very interesting to hear Larry Agron on my show because uh, Larry does not like me at all. And, in fact, he made that quite known when he was on. He dug me. Larry Agron actually gave me a dig while he was on my show. I couldn't believe it. So uh, that's good. That's fine. I'm okay with that because next week, who's going to be in studio with me? Yes, Christina Shea. She is the Irvine City Councilwoman. And Stephen Choi to talk about what? They are going to talk about their recent lawsuit against the Great Park Corporation and how the judge has awarded them back their money, saying that they get their attorney's fees back because their lawsuit was not frivolous, something that Larry Agron said was during the last campaign cycle. So they will be in studio to talk about that. Also, if you are just joining me, and let's get this house cleaning stuff out of the way before I talk about my first and only guest today. Uh, if you're in your car or in your jail cell, wherever you might be, the day room, and you want to keep listening to me uh, in your office, wherever, at, in your kitchen while you're cutting up your carrots, go to KUCI.org. Click in the upper right-hand corner, and you will get your streaming audio. Also, you can go to my website, theocshow.net. That is theocshow.net. You can hear upcoming or listen or re read about upcoming guests. You can also listen to uh, past guests and read past commentary. So uh, always go there, theocshow.net. You can also email me anytime, Cameron at theocshow.net. So my guest today is a very fascinating man. I've had him on the show before. Always a pleasure to have him here in studio with me. He is a uh, Orange County supervisor. He is on the board of supervisors, John Morlock. Welcome, John. Hello, Cameron. How are you? I'm here. Yes, you are. You are here on a July 3rd, tomorrow, of course, being uh, our Independence Day. So thank you. I think uh, you've been on a staycation. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, and so, it's good to take those every now and then. Just uh, catching up at home and, and actually been visiting a lot of uh, sites in the county. Really? Oh, that's right. So you were, where were you today? You were Today I visited the Bowerman Landfill, which is actually, I believe, part of Irvine. It is. A, I think kind of that, a hidden secret up in the. Isn't that off of Portola there? Portola. Yeah. What's up there? Uh, one of the most amazing landfills probably in the nation. I think it's like the fourth largest in California. It's incredibly managed, and it was a real treat to spend some time with uh, Michael Giancola, who is our department head for uh, OC Waste and Recycling, and just to observe the. Uh, process of watching all the trucks come in with the refuse and how quickly they pounded down covered up and you don't see trash flying around of course the Santa Ana winds are real tough but they have wind guards that they can move around but the the, the draw is that uh, after the our most recent earthquake there was a little land movement over there at the landfill and now at, at a portion of, of the property that will be filled in obviously much later in time uh, we've got smoke coming out of the ground. 
and we're trying to figure out what's burning because it's not steam it's actually smoke with carbon monoxide it's like a compost pile that's gone crazy no no this is actually not part of the landfill it's adjacent to the landfill so it's not something that uh is related to anything methane or is it more uh hazardous waste from the el toro uh I don't think it's that either. No, really. I, I, you know, we, we, I, yet, yesterday, I, I took the bike ride from Fremont Canyon with my son Daniel, who's in the studio, all the way to the sea, all the way to the dunes and Newport Beach. Right. And so I was able to stand on the old coal mine in Coal Canyon. And so I'm wondering, is it coal or is it just something that's been deposited in the ground that when there was a little friction, when the when the ground shifted, that it lit and is sort of burning uh, underground, and then just there's some vents. We, we, you know, everybody's aware that it's a natural are phenomenon. Are they afraid to uncover it to see if uh, what it is? Well, they're doing what? testing right now, so we're waiting for. Oh, come on, just get in there and uncover it. Come I know. On. Well, it, you know, it was funny. They said um, I was told yesterday by the outside consultant from Geotech that the supervisor is not permitted to go close to the vents because of the uh, the, the the deadly gas is coming out of the ground, but also because it's nearly a thousand degrees. Oh, well, it's that, that hot nice. in that area. Wow! So I brought a pan with some fresh eggs to right. test it out, but they wouldn't well, let me. Get, uh, darn it! No. <laughs> no, I had to uh, just on a side note before we get into the good stuff because I'm sure that's why everybody's listening today. They want to hear about the landfills and smoke and steam coming out of them. Although I do find that absolutely fascinating. When I was a cop down in San Diego, there was a kid who was thrown away in the trash, and they made cops from every shift go to the landfill and dig through the landfill all night long it's a fascinating story so the landfills are fascinating places the things you find in there and we didn't find the kid nobody ever found the kid actually so oh. who knows well i just to tell you cameron that that's a that's a great story isn't we it? Ha- we we have some incredible amenities here in orange county even our trash um when you think of uh la county they're closing landfills and we you know we've got space till about 2063 so yeah, well, you know, there was for a while there, back in the 80s, they were saying, oh, we're going to run out of landfill space. We're going to run out of, and then, you know, now we've got, like, landfill space to mm, moon. I mean, no, no, we, we're fortunate here in Orange County, but some of our neighboring counties, it's a little different. Really? We have to have to export trash. So well, could we, should, for we, us. Should, we should be thankful, you know, for the many blessings of some some individuals that had some good foresight. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, let's start off with the budget because that's kind of on everybody's mind right now everybody wants to know what's going on with the budget uh and if you don't know what an orange county supervisor is uh simply stated you're an elected official uh there's five board members on the uh, board of supervisors and you essentially govern the county is that correct correct and uh, your district is which district the second district which covers what covers uh pretty much <clears throat> uh just north of newport coast uh-huh all the way to the L.A. border, but where Seal Beach and Long Beach connect. And then I go inland a little bit, Los Alamitos, Cyprus, uh, Stanton, Costa Mesa, Fountain Valley. So it's a beautiful coastal community, one of two of the coastal districts in the county. The other one being mostly in South County? It'd be the fifth district. All right, so where are we at with the budget? I know we've got uh, court staff are looking at being furloughed, I think, at least once a month. As of now, we've got uh, uh, pay cuts that have occurred. You, you mentioned earlier you took a 5% pay cut. I know that um, the DA has laid off some people. The sheriff is looking at, what, $25 million out of, their, out of uh, the sheriff's budget. Where are we at with the state, with the county, all that good stuff? Well, we are experiencing the most amazing economic cycle that we've seen in our lifetimes Cameron and we we have a taxing system that's dependent on the economy 
when the economy's good, our taxes are good. When the economy's bad, our taxes are bad. Uh, when you have uh, a recession where people stop buying automobiles, we suffer in decreased sales tax. And we also suffer from in, in decreasing vehicle license fees, which are two major sources of revenue for cities and counties. But what's really big for the County of Orange is our property taxes. And when you have property values declining as rapidly as they are now, uh, we are seeing a, a major reduction in, in property tax revenues. And why that's a big deal is uh, when we had the last down cycle and we got really tired of our governor, we recalled him. And the new governor said, I need to borrow my way out of this budget deficit. So we, we voted to borrow $15 billion. You know, you securitize debt. you got to find a payment stream. So he said to the counties and cities, I'll take a portion of your sales tax, and I'll give you the property tax. Well, at that time, real estate was doing pretty good. So everybody said, all right, we'll do that. Right. Now, real estate isn't doing very well. But our budget for the county, almost 80% of our general fund budget is real property taxes or and secured, unsecured property taxes. So that's going to kind of level out for a while, which it did in the early 90s. And that's going to make it really interesting because everybody wants to keep getting pay raises and moving along. But it's hit us so hard that we've had to actually make layoffs. Uh, when Pete Wilson was governor, the way he solved some of these budget problems was he said, look, I'll give you the programs. You take care of social services, welfare. You take care of health care. Take care of probation. But I'll give you a revenue stream. I'll give you vehicle license fees, and I'll give you sales taxes. But with those revenues down dramatically, we've had to make layoffs in probation. We've had to make layoffs in social services. And we've had to make layoffs in health care. But health care agency has been a little fortunate because of what's called a proposition that passed a few years ago called Proposition 63, which works on mental health. So a lot of the employees that were laid off were repositioned into this new program where money is uh, coming in because it taxes those that make a million dollars or more. Unfortunately, we still have a handful of those people in the state, so that's funding uh, that activity. So it's been it's been real difficult, but we're, we're we've now asked departments to make you know bigger cuts. The sheriff's department is reliant on sales tax revenues as well. Governor Wilson put Prop 172 on the ballot in 1993. We voted for it, and that's a major component of the sheriff's budget. Public safety now comprises about 45% of my general fund, of which 80% is property taxes. So uh, we, can't, we can't backfill the sheriff anymore. So the sheriff has had to deplete reserves that were built up over the prior years, and now those reserves are, are almost exhausted. So when there's no revenue, there's no literally no, no more reserves to draw on you have to start making some serious cuts well, and that's one of my questions that i that <clears throat> i've posed here and there and i think now the question is is more important is at what point uh and especially in this kind of county where we have mostly conservative kind of values here in this this county versus the state which has got liberal values grow government we're more of a uh, decreased government at what point though does that really come into play where we really say hey you know what it, times are different now. we got to decrease the role of government in people's lives. We just have to decrease the payroll, period. I mean, how easy is that to do when you have unions that stand behind 
sometimes candidates, sometimes different interests, et cetera, et cetera, that stop those types of things from happening. And is that really an issue here in Orange County like it is in the state? Um, you, you've kind of hit on the, the key factor of what's ailing uh, the state. Uh, the public employee unions run Sacramento. And when Governor Schwarzenegger said, I want to do layoffs and furloughs, they said, well, we'll sue you. <laughs> you know, he did the, he did the furloughs. They, they sued, but they lost. The uh, majority of the elected officials in Sacramento were funded by the public employee unions. So they are sort of beholden. So the Democrats are then unwilling to make the cuts, and the Republicans are unwilling to raise the taxes because it's not a revenue issue. It's a expense issue. Right. So it creates an amazing logjam in Sacramento. In Orange County, uh, we've, uh, we've, we've encountered a lot of resistance as well. You know, we've had the unions protest on our floor and get some press attention that way. And even the local media is sort of like makes a big deal when we make 200 layoffs. Like that's really a serious deal. And it is. I don't want to minimize it. But out of 18,000 employees, that's still not too bad when you start doing percentages. So uh, the unions, you know, fight hard. Uh, we're, you know, we're being sued. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, you who's have suing? to... Who's suing? Actually, it's a... a, a, a forgive me for not m- remembering the name, but it's sort of a group, uh, like a legal um, non-profit that's, that's suing uh, the fact that maybe now that we've laid off so many welfare uh, workers uh, that the service levels have gone down and you can't let these service levels go down. So they're suing us on that basis, and that's sort of an ongoing case in... If you're just joining me, uh, my guest today is John Morlock. He is the Orange County Board of Supervisors, supervisor for the 5th District. No, sorry, 2nd District. My my bad. 2nd District. And uh, he's joining me in studio today, obviously. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Cameron Jackson. This is The OC Show. Let us move on, shall we? Uh, what's happening with the pensions? Now, last time you were in here, we talked about the pensions. We talked about how damaging the current pension system is for not just Orange County's budget and future budget, but for the state as well. I mean, these budget, these, and uh, I gave the example of police officers, and I'll give it to the, the listener real quickly so they kind of understand my point in this question. Police officers at the age of 50 get 90% of their highest paid year. So let's say a police officer graduates from the police department with 30 years on, retires, whatever. He makes $100,000 a year. When he leaves, he's going to get $90,000 a year for the rest of his life. He may live 30 or 40 more years that the county is footing the bill for. That is what we've been giving police officers, just police officers, for the last, I don't know, what, 10, 10, 12, 15 years? at least somewhere in there, and it's extended now to non-police officers. So we have district attorneys that are making that. We have public defenders who are getting something very similar. It's like 55 years old instead of 50. We've got all these different people coming in now. They're making crazy numbers in retirement, and you are leading the charge against that. Can you describe what that is and where we're at with that? Well, we've done a few things, Cameron, that kind of make Orange County unique. Uh, the first is <clears throat> we're suing uh, our Association of Orange County Deputy Sheriffs to say that, you know... Which is not popular, but keep going. No, it's not good to go after people that actually wear guns yes. <laughs> uh, on, their, on their belts. The 
the issue is when the benefit was given to go from 2% at 50 to 3% at 50, it was given retroactively. So if you had to retire and you wanted to retire after your 30 years, if you waited until after the effective date, your retirement benefit went up 50% overnight. So we're saying, wait a second, that's sort of like a gift. You know, you're getting paid twice for doing the same job once. We didn't fund for this new, you know, 50% increase in the pension liability. And, and, and by the way, uh, it's a new debt. And we never had the voters vote on approving a new debt. So you have a benefit that's unconstitutional. Federal government says in the federal constitution, if, if a state or a county makes a contract, it has to stick with it unless, you know, it's unconstitutional. So that's being, uh, that's going through the court system. The Superior Court, a judge in L.A. ruled in the union's favor, which we sort of expected. We didn't expect to, to, to win at the first level. So we're waiting for her to give her final judgment, and then we take it to the appellate court to go to the Court of Appeals. I'm assuming she's going to say no again and, and give it award it to the deputies union again is that correct well she'll make her final judgment we don't expect it to change right but she's a little confused and in fact when even asked in court to explain verbally what she wrote she had a tough time oh so maybe her it. law clerk did it not her well she made an amazing comment she said she was looking forward to our briefs once we file it with the uh, court of appeals so we, we thought that was kind of an amazing kind of thing to reveal We've also, last November, successfully passed Measure J, which says to to the county supervisors, if you want to negotiate a pension or retirement benefit that creates a debt, then you have to go to the voters. voters right. This has been done in San Francisco County for the last 100 years, which is another conservative county. He said tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they're fully funded. Right. Where we're probably less than 60% funded now with all these... Well, activity. and it's only going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And now, but here's the next... No, no, let me give two more thoughts, though. All before right, two I, more thoughts. Cameron, the, 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 the first is we are negotiating right now with the unions, and we're asking them to look at a new tier for new hires. So that's on the table, and, and I don't, I, I, I've been out this week, but I haven't gotten any indication on how their membership voted uh, to do that for to new employees. Um, the, the other item that I wanted to mention, I just forgot. That's okay. I'll ask you this Oh, question. I remember now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You. I just want to let you know that you mentioned the state retirement systems. The two largest pension plan systems in the, in the, on the planet are CalPERS and mm-hmm. CalSTRS. CalPERS lost 27% last year. CalSTRS lost 26%. So when you're talking over $200 billion in assets, that's a big hit. So the contributions that are going to have to go up for employer contribution rates are going to be very staggering and very painful. So we may get out of this recession. We may see our property taxes go up, but we're going to see expenses for the unfunded liability go up dramatically as well. So we're not going to be catching up anytime soon. And is it something that can be fixed from here moving forward? Can we take those benefits away from new hires and say, look, hey, the golden days are over. Sorry. You're going to have to start contributing to a 401k or deferred comp just like the rest of everybody else out there. Because, I mean, frankly, I'm losing their argument that, 
we don't make as much money. Uh, these are for you know because we're we're moving these bureaucracies our whole career. We should get something for it at the end. Hey, I, the way I'm looking at it, most of these government workers are making pretty darn good money nowadays. I don't see why we have to give them these golden benefits packages. I know that's gonna. I mean, that infuriates my wife because she's part of the system and she doesn't want any of her of her benefits taken away, which I tell her they're not because she's already in the system. But moving forward, come on, we got. Is there something you guys can do to change? Well, the only you know, other than our court case, uh, which would rescind re- retroactive benefits, which will be painful to, for some retirees. Sure. Uh, the only other solution is to have a new tier and have new hires at a, a very, um, you know, more market-oriented you well, know, yeah, I mean, what's formula. The, what's the mechanism that holds that up from having? I mean, how come the Board of Supervisors just can't say, okay, look, hey, that's, we're the purse strings. That's it. You're done. You get 2% now at 50, and you've got to do your 401K and defer comp just like everybody else. What? I'll give you about three answers yeah, on why it's sure. not an easy deal. Uh, the first is... You cannot impose a new pension plan on new hires. You have to negotiate it. With the union? With the union. All right. Okay. I mean, I can't say we've come to an impasse and we're just going to cram it on you. We can't do that. Okay. That's in the law. All right. Unless you change the law. The second big issue is that if, if we were just to have new employees, you know, participate in a 401k, then... The problem I have is recruiting. There are specialized services that aren't in the private sector that are in the public sector. So I, I will not be competing with, with for applicants in the with the private sector. I'll be competing with applicants who are also looking at Riverside County, L.A. County, San Diego County. I see. So if they don't change their pension system, if we don't all kind of get together and say, hey, let's all figure this puppy out, which we tried to do in 1995, excuse me, 2005, when we wanted to put a ballot measure on, on, on the state ballot for November that said effective July 1, 2009, actually like to now, all new hires would have a, a 401k defined contribution plan. The governor was beat up by the unions and he withdrew and said, we're going to pull that one back. And that killed us. But we, we've got to do something that but could you do levels the playing field. But could you do something like that now? I mean, it sounds like now would be a ripe time to do something like that. I mean, you could really make the argument right now for something like that. Cameron, you're right. We can do it now. I know. But it, I'm always right. You are always right. <laughs> could you give me a few million dollars? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> if I And that's what it will take. Yeah, right. And and the money people um, who, who like these kinds of ballot measures and like to support them know that no matter what amount of money they put towards this project, the unions will match it in multiples. Because mm-hmm. this is sort of a holy grail. In fact, even that this county is looking at a new tier, our union leadership is getting hammered by the unions in Sacramento. Mm. Don't start this. Don't do this. You know, um, And so it's, it's, it's a whole interesting arena that we're playing in. And I'll give you one anecdotal story. I testified before Governor Schwarzenegger's uh, Public Employee Post-Employment Benefits Commission. Okay. And one of the, two of the speakers were union leaders here in Orange County. And we have modified their retiree medical, which is another story of what's unique about Orange County. And we kind of, instead of, we, we kind of gave them, a, we call it a defined contribution kind of type of plan. When, when the head of one of the major police unions, PORAC, which you probably know. I know very well. Um, when, when he heard defined contribution, he misunderstood. 
he thought that that the discussion was on pension plans, but it was actually on retiree medical. But in the middle of the meeting, he looked at the Orange County leader of the Orange County Firefighters Association and said, I thought we had a deal. Really? I thought we said no defined contribution. Which was an amazing revelation because it told me at that time that this committee, this commission, was a waste of time. Right. When you put six union leaders out of the 12 on that commission, this ain't going nowhere. Right. We're not even talking low-hanging fruit. We're not <laughs> like, like changing the retirement age from 50 to maybe 55 or, you know, something that would encourage people to stay a little longer. Because from a management standpoint, it's a real sad proposition when you watch these wonderful, experienced people leave and they say four words. Why work for free? Right. I can stay home, make 80% of my salary, get 3% COLA every year. I'll be, you know, you don't even give me raises at home if I stayed here. Right. So why stay here? So it's, it's one or of these. Or they go off, and the other thing that really infuriates me is when they go off and they work for another government agency, and they are double-dipping. But they're young. Right. That doesn't make them mad or bad people. Right. It means the system incentivized them to quit yep. and go to a different county or to a different retirement system. Some of them triple-dip. Yes. I mean, Sacramento County started did an article at the Sacramento Bee of how they had not only left one job, went to another, but also filed for unemployment insurance in between. So it's just it's an incredible, you know... All right, very revelation. A lot of revelations here on the OC show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest today is Supervisor John Morlock. He's the supervisor of the 2nd District here in Orange County. I will not forget ever again. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more with Supervisor John Morlock. We will be right back. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show with the greatest radio show host in all of Orange County. Who is it? Look up in the air. It's Cameron Jackson, baby. And I am your Superman. And just remember, folks, the opinions and views heard here on the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Joining me in studio today is John Morlock. He is a supervisor of Orange County. He is for the 2nd District. If you're just joining us, uh, this is the OC Show. You can always go to KUCI.org. Click in the upper right-hand corner for your streaming audio. Also, you can go to my website anytime you'd like to see upcoming guests, past commentary, listen to past shows. That is theocshow.net. Three words all together, theocshow.net. I don't think OC is a word, but maybe for this show it will be. Theocshow.net. So you want to go there. You can also send me an email anytime you'd like. Cameron at theocshow.net. That is Cameron at theocshow.net. My guest today, John Morlock, how are you? Good, good. Th thank you very much. We've had a great discussion up until this point, and it will only get better. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Let's talk about some recent things that have come up in the news with the district attorney and this death penalty thing. Now, uh, before we get started, let me just say this. I frankly, as I'm, my listeners know this, I'm a former cop. You would think I'd be for the death penalty, but I'm actually not, and I'm not because of the retribution part of it. Like, I think that's cool. Like, if we could do the death penalty really quick, 
like, you know, maybe within a couple of hours after they're convicted of it, uh, I'd be in favor of it. But it's become one of these things, it's a mockery in California. We just keep these people alive for 15, 20, 30 years, and it puts a huge drain on the system. So, that being said, so people don't think that I'm a liberal, crazy, wacko, you know, it's more of a fiscal thing for me. I understand, I understand why you would ask that question. Can you talk about what the question was that you asked the DA and discuss what happened with the DA after that? Well, let me clarify a couple of things as well. All right. Yes, please. I, I am for the death penalty. Mm. Um, and uh, But you're right. We haven't executed anyone in this state for quite some time. Yes. The scenario is this. <clears throat> um, every department head meets with the staff of the board offices as we're going through the budget process. My chief of staff um, decided... Mario Monero? Yeah, Mario. Mario Monero. Sorry, Mario Monero. A, a law professor. Yes. You know, I, I put him uh, you know, uh, up in the same league as your dean of the law school here, Irvin Chemerinsky. Mario's yes. an incredibly brilliant uh, individual who's been polite enough to work for me um, for these last uh, two and a half years. Mario and Tony Rakakis have had fun debates in my office over the years on the death penalty. This time, Mario just brought it up and said, well, from a fiscal standpoint, what, what is it costing you to pursue the death penalty in murder cases? Um, Tony didn't react well to it, and he didn't really answer the question quite well. He could have said, you know, it's going to cost us maybe a half million dollars a case, but I came here on that agenda, and I, I will fight to the death that I keep, you know, this in my budget. And I appreciate other views and stuff, but this is very important to me. And, and I, I, I don't really, you know, I, I can debate it, but I, I, I believe it's somewhere I don't want to go with my budget. And it would have been in a story. And we would all said, okay, fine. Somehow someone leaked that discussion. It was a, you know, a meeting. Everything's open, but, you know, someone leaked it to, um, uh, the register and then the reg- one of the editorial writers made something on the blog and once it, once it was on the blog then uh, Tony decided to send me a three page letter of I know you don't agree with your chief of staff but he went and asked me this question anyway and here's why I feel so passionately about the death penalty so it, you know that's that was pretty much it someone could have handled it differently and maybe not gotten so frustrated over the incident. And then I don't know how it got to the, the paper. I don't do press releases, Cameron. Um, I, if, if, you know, I was even out of town. I was in Sacramento working on the budget, believe it or not. You know, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because one of the things that I talk about on the show quite regularly are the uh, things that occur behind the scenes. And what you're describing sounds like somebody has got it out for you. I mean, why would they leak something like that? That doesn't seem that it should have been aired. Whenever you hear a, the, anything that's been leaked, I always get suspicious about that. Why would somebody do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I could speculate, but that's not what I'm, you know, I could fill, I could fill hours, you know, of time with, with speculating. But well, uh, And, and, and the, I guess the second question I have on that is, why not go after the DA's DNA bank? That seems to me to be something that should be looked at and scrutinized more closely than the death penalty stuff, even though I don't particularly care for the death penalty. 
the DNA Bank is something that it seems more like a legacy project. And some of the things that I'm hearing that are going on there, I mean, they're letting people off. They're dismissing cases for people's DNA. I'm a little, and we already have a DNA bank. What what's going on with that? Why are we funding that? Or does the DA have the discretion to fund whatever he wants as long as it's within his budget? These are great questions, Cameron. I'm, uh, and there's big stories behind behind them. So <laughs> yes, I apologize. We um, we have um, a DNA lab in the sheriff's department, which is recognized around the country as being one of the premier. DNA labs, there's just one problem, and that is it takes them a long time to bring back results. And when you say a long time, are we talking months? Months. Okay. Months. All right. And there is technology coming out of England that can do it within days, if not hours. So that technology was not adopted by the sheriff's department. So the DA then says, well, then I will adopt it. Because... He's not going after the major murder trials. He's saying, look, if I can get DNA evidence at a burglary site or a car theft site, if I can connect those people who are committing these crimes multiple times, then I will put more of these repeat offenders away and crime will be reduced. And and, and they're going to have a tough time fighting me in court because I have DNA evidence that's a, that there's, links them to the crime. There's problems, though. I mean, one, they're databasing DA, their DNA. So they're taking people's DNA and they're actually databasing it. That's the first problem I have. The second problem, it seems to me to be a huge conflict of interest. If you are the prosecuting agency in the county and it is in your best interest that cases get prosecuted and you win, then doesn't that lend a little bit of suspicion? I mean, even if they're doing it straight lace, above board, completely transparent, doesn't it still lend a little bit of, hmm, I don't know, you know, we have to question whether or not this is very authentic DNA and that it's not being tampered with to win cases. Cameron, you are always right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'll leave it. It, it. it does have this conflict but does, it's, it's built in. It's 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 awkward. Do, do but, you but, guys have control over that portion of his budget, or does he get to pick what he wants in his budget? I've actually been very supportive of our DA in the DNA arena. We've 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 worked with him to to, to help him out in, in that regard. I've worked really, or I've worked really hard for Tony. So for him to snap like he did was very confusing to me. I didn't get a phone call saying, "Hey, you know, maybe we could stop the debate on." The death penalty. You know, it's been fun, but, you know, I, I think we can cut it. I said, that'd be fine. You right, know, right. been there. We can, we can cut. It. But um, what I have proposed on a number of occasions, Cameron, is that uh, I, I would like to move the corner out of the sheriff coroner's office. I would like to move the DNA out of the sheriff and the DAs and put it into a new department. And I'd like to take care of the health care inside the jails, which has also gotten some criticism. We even had the Department of Justice review our health care in the jail just recently. Um, and I'd like to make that a whole separate department under the uh, direction of a medical examiner. That would be the preferred goal. Uh, the problems you have is that these two departments are run by elected officials, and they all have to agree, and there's turf war territory, and you know that drill. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, mm -hmm. If we, we've kind of tried to build a compromise where we're, we're working with both DNA labs, with a sort of a troika of the two electeds and the CEO of the county to 
make sure everything is is uh, sort of working in an appropriate manner. But we know we're we're giving that a, a, some time, and we'll see how that works. Uh, will uh, will there be benchmarks placed on the DA's office and to show? Okay, fine. Now you've got your DNA lab. Uh, you've got the you've got the tools. You've got the talent. Are you are you producing DNA faster than the sheriff's lab? And if if so, are we going to try to make a move to remove the sheriff DNA? I mean, are we going to take that away? Are we going to replicate and, and duplicate these things at the expense of taxpayers? And we don't have deadlines or benchmarks that are cut in stone. We, right. We're just saying, okay, let's give this a shot. Uh, it's still rather fluid, and we're, 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 we're moving, but we're sort of waiting for our CEO to let us know when it's time to reevaluate. All right. Fair enough. Um, also recently, since we're on the subject of, it's Mario, correct? Mario okay. Minero. He uh, recently, just within the last couple of days, said he is tendering his resignation. Um, what's going on with that? Why, where, why are we there? Um, I met Mario uh, during my campaign, and he was at that time uh, the <clears throat> associate dean of Whittier Law School. He is probably one of the I don't know, one of the best bar prep law professors in the country. He's sort of the last guy you want to teach, have teaching you, so that you're prepped to take the bar and and pass it. Uh, he had a uh, he did a did a magnificent job of trying to improve Whittier Law School's passage rate. Was loved by his students. I had a chance to watch him at a graduation ceremony. And the room went nuts for Mario. But he was a little tired at Whittier. So um, he came and worked for me, which was sort of an amazing thing. And we've been having a lot of fun working together. He's, he's one of the best minds I've ever had the privilege of working with. But we've taken on some really difficult issues. You know, you take on the deputy sheriffs and the retroactive pensions, you take on the unions, you take on Measure J, you, you know, we're, we're sort of out there. And uh, it, it sometimes he has, we, we both have to remember not to read the blogs. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's just not good to read some of that nonsense. Yeah. Especially the comments. Because these guys live in basements in their mother's homes, right? Um, but anyway, I... Um, they might uh, say that about me, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I so So he was sort of um, getting a little tired of that, we we both took a posture. Let's let's do what's right. Let's not do what's politically expedient. You know, let's let's try to let's try to determine as objectively as we can what what the law says and what the court cases say, and let's and let's move from that uh, platform. And he's been brilliant. I mean, he's been objective, uh, but but he's frustrated some people. In, in, in being a professional attorney. He's an attorney's attorney. He's just I, I have a lot of attorney friends that'll call him up for uh for, for advice. So um he he had uh, if I you know I don't know if I I don't want to give all the details, but he he had some health issues before he came and with all the stress, um it sort of brought back some of these issues. And so he and his wife had a nice long weekend on Catalina, did a lot of walking, a lot of talking, and uh, he came back and said, you know, my, I, I, I'd like to go back into being a law professor. I gave him the opportunity to, to teach at Chapman, uh, 
and as you know, as a part-time kind of thing, a little, and, and it's just been mushrooming. He's just he's just getting so popular, and and there, John Eastman, who's a great law dean as well, uh, has certainly been encouraging him to do more, and and that's that's his gift. He's a he's a, a fantastic law professor. So so, you know, with all the ankle biting, all the activity, it was sort of like, hey, you know, I don't have to do this, and right. and I, I I don't think I can convince him to stay but but he's been one of the most amazing people that i've ever worked with in my 35 36 year career here i you know the the media uh has certainly kind of pegged him out to be this crazy liberal who's got these liberal views they really kind of went after him on the death penalty thing saying that's you know he came at this because he's, he's a liberal and 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 he doesn't like the death penalty that's the feeling i get from it, it this wasn't you weren't offloading uh, Mario, because he's becoming a political liability for you. No, I, I, I would beg him to stay. Uh, Mario is a great debater, and but he has always been objective, always. So he's more than happy to debate. Uh, the death penalty is something worth debating. I think sure. it's, it's an interesting. Uh, I mean, you, you you stated your position pretty fast, right? So it's it's one of those things that that's sort of you know that's who he is. He's an instructor. He's a he's a teacher. He's he's a professor. He's one of the more incredible legal minds that I've ever encountered, and he's he's got a, a memory that's just phenomenal. I mean, he can he can most of good lawyers do. He can rip off code sections and <laughs> and, and give you the wording word for word. You know, it's from coming out of his head. It's just I you know I wish I had that kind of memory uh, capacity and and recall. So no, he's he's just been a, an incredibly wonderful asset i i could write a book on all the things he's improved at the county so i i am not asking him to leave i'm not throwing him under a bus i am heartbroken that he's leaving because we knew we were going to get beat up you know if you're going to do something right i mean there's plenty of guys that are elected that don't do anything they're just there right you know and they're just worried about getting reelected, and still they're not doing anything which is kind of mind-boggling but we've we've taken on some major issues and we knew we were going to get beat up. And maybe that takes a toll. Sure. It's it does. not easy being in public life. It's sure. No, I, I understand that completely. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the OC Show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest today, Supervisor John Morlock, Supervisor of the 2nd District here in Orange County. He's been nice enough to come in this day before the 4th of July. Independence Day, a very important day here in the United States. Um, Let's talk about this recent, this recent article in the OC Weekly by Daffodil Alton. Is that right? Did I say her name right? Let's look at it. I did. I think I did. Anyway, uh, it, it, just a couple of questions that I have about it. The article basically says, in a nutshell, that the Board of Supervisors, because they felt via moral grounds that abortion is wrong, have pulled and stripped away Planned Parenthood's Funding and Planned Parenthood was getting funding from the tobacco uh, back in what ninety three something like ninety eight. The tobacco companies had to pay out two hundred six billion dollars. That money was to go for health spending. That money came in and it was being used to help fund. Uh, and you can you can clarify me on the on the particulars here on the, on the nuance. But essentially, that we've got uh, the supervisors all together saying 
look, we're against abortion. That's what Planned Parenthood does. They don't do the abortions themselves, but they're referring people. We're going to take away their county funding. Where are we at with that? What is... That's another another big topic yeah, to, no, to unpack a little bit to yes, kind of get I clarified. And I think Daffodil, and I haven't you know read it in detail. I kind of scanned it just before I got here. Well, let me let me let me let me let me bring it down a little bit then. Let me ask you this: There's a guy named Mark. Is it Bucher? Booker. Booker. Thank you, Mark Booker, who uh, seems to be a what he's a he co-founded the Conservative Candidate Funding Family Action Pack. He's the treasurer of both the OC Republican Party and a powerful Republican uh, uh, in the Republican Lincoln Club. Uh, he, one of the things he says is when you get conservatives together, great things happen. Um, and that he, the way I'm looking at this is that Booker, who put, sounds like he's got some levers of power behind the scene, is putting pressure, because he's a conservative and he's against abortion, he's putting pressure on the board to take this funding away from Planned Parenthood. That's the angle that I'm seeing on this. Okay, we'll give all the credit to Booker then. Well, I'm that's that's I mean I'm just <laughs> I, I'm seeing that he's he's I mean because you I know think Daffodil we, we, kind of attacked it you know in a the, certain way. Let me the, let me the, let me. The Lincoln Club is a very powerful uh, organization here in Orange County. They fund a lot of candidates. Well, Mark Booker's been a friend of mine for years. I mean, he's a warrior. He we had Prop seventy five uh, in two thousand five. He did a similar proposition years earlier to you know, defund public employee unions. I mean, this this guy is a warrior when it comes to some of the issues we've talked about even today. <clears throat> it's sort of funny that, you know, Booker, you know, I'm a conservative, you know, register I'm not, you know, so it's been a bizarre week. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I get the same thing. If I do something that the conservatives like, I'm okay. If I do yeah. something, then, the, you know, I'm it's, it's a funny world. Yes. I'm a manager. I've been a department head for 12 years. And I've been a partner in a CPA firm for 10 years. I, you know, I run things. I, I love to fix things. I, and, and, but when you're running an organization of 18,000 people, you need trust. Right. You know, if I don't have trust, then your confidence is eroded. It makes things very difficult in a corporate structure. So when a Mark Booker calls and says, John, I think you're funding Planned Parenthood. And you say, no. Never. I've never seen them on an agenda item. What do you, you know... That whole topic, Planned Parenthood, abortion, never come up. I think you're wrong. And and so I tell them, we're not doing it. Well, you know, a few months later, you know, I really think you're funding Planned Parenthood. I said, oh, quit bothering me about it. So I, I had Mario do a search on 10 years of agendas. Planned Parenthood doesn't come up. So I said, Mark, leave me alone. <laughs> so he's able to find a document that shows where we're funding Planned Parenthood. And it's being done through Measure H, which... Yeah, I want to ask you about G&H, because that's something that came up in the article. Let's right. Before we get to that, let's well, keep going I, with that. But we, there was, a, I think, a, a movie with uh, Russell Crowe, I think, maybe called The Insider. Yes, about the tobacco companies. Tobacco companies. Right. And, and that's sort of the... You know, talked about uh, Michael Moore, the, D, the uh, Attorney General from Mississippi, not the other Michael Moore, not to be confused with. And, and he was able to get all 50 states and... Two of the states had a unique arrangement because we're so large, New York and California, that the funding would uh, that the, would even come to the counties. So now we have a revenue stream from the National Tobacco Settlement. We, the the, the medical community through the uh, Orange County Medical Association, 
and funded by Tenet Healthcare, uh, put Measure H on the ballot. I put Measure G on the ballot, which says, you know, we're doing about the same things. We're going to fix the same health care issues, but we're going to take one dollar out of every six, and we're going to pay down the bankruptcy debt so we can pay that down 10 years earlier. And then once the debt is paid off, you get all the money. And they didn't like that. They didn't want to, you know, look at the long-term benefit of having more money later. So Measure a, uh, H1 and Measure G didn't. So, But I, but I wrote Measure a, a G based on H. So there was no let's fund education. Now, this is for health care. And, and one of the components of the five areas was that 20% goes to community clinics for primary and specialty care for medical and dental for families. It didn't say teach them about sexual education or whatever. And, and so um, a couple things happened, Cameron. The first is, as a manager, I was lied to. And I was busy giving false information to constituents, which really was irritating because all of our research showed, you know, that you weren't funding. We weren't funding. So I'm the kind of guy that, as the register said on Sunday, that I praise in public and I criticize in private. But this one needed to go public. Sorry, Planned Parenthood, that you were sort of, you know, a beneficiary of, of my teaching my department heads not to obfuscate, not to lie, not to, not to be silly, because... I have colleagues that have been there a little longer than me. Their, their, their staffs never found it. My predecessors, they never found it. I was just talked to the former chief of staff of Todd Spitzer yesterday and said, man, we dug for that kind of stuff. You know, and, and, you know that's how well hidden it was. So, so the, the issue was, get us the information, let us know what you're doing, and let us vote on it. We never had a discussion on this whole issue. You just gave it to the community clinics, Association of Orange County, and they had subcontractors. Well, you can bet we look at every subcontractor name and contract now, but, you know, it was a lesson we learned. And, and so we, so I had to, in a sense, say to my colleagues, I want to bring this back up. I want to discuss it. I was a little surprised at how my colleagues reacted to the whole thing. And, and we voted to terminate the funding. Then we went back and voted to let it just expire at the end of the fiscal year. Uh, and then we then we, we we establish a policy. If you want this funding, it's not just good enough to be a member of the coalition of community clinics. You've actually got to have a a, a a program, and it it should not have some of these certain components. And I thought Planned Parenthood was going to come back with something that would fit within those parameters, but they have chosen not to do that. I mean, they they've kind of been a little adversarial with the whole process, dealing with the health care agency staff. Um, they informed my chief of staff, Mario Monero, that they wanted to do something with breast uh, treatments and it would fit within you know, the, the, the guidelines, but they haven't come back doing that yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But it was more of a management issue, and then it was a, what's the priority right now? We've got people being laid off. They can't afford their COBRA to keep their medical policies in place. And they're showing up in these community clinics. Go visit one for an opportunity just to see how many people are sitting outside waiting for health care, whatever they can get. And we call it the safety net. I mean, the hospitals can't keep taking care of the poor and the homeless. They're coming to us all the time for more funding because their emergency rooms are being inundated by people that are unemployed without any medical uh, insurance. It's, 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 so, so what's more important, 
teaching classes on certain topics or getting people some health care. The, the article made it sound, though, is that, that the, the vote was not necessarily one of being fiscally sound so much as it was a moral issue for the board members. Was it a moral issue for you? Um, a couple of my colleagues brought up their faith, and another colleague said it was a moral issue. For me, it was, let's have a discussion. <laughs> let's, is, is this where the funding should go? And I never, in that meeting, said anything about morals Moral. or religion. Right. I, but, but it's all being placed on me because I brought it up. But I, if, you, if you watch the board meeting, you don't see me bringing up those issues. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because if you had of, I would have said, my next question would have been, when are we going to get religion out of politics? But I'm not going to pose that question to you because you're not, you're not bringing it up over the, under those grounds. Well, well, I'll say this, Cameron. Scriptural... The scriptures are full of common sense. So, sure. so you know, if you just live a life of good common sense, you're not you're not slipping too far away from, you know, biblical principles. So, um, but but I I don't thump, you know. My, my, it's got to make good common sense. What is the most important priority right now? Taking care of people that are in need, or, you know, teaching kids, which are already being taught in schools because it's required. To be taught in in our high school program so so you're doing something that's redundant i agree with that if you're just joining us this is the oc show with cameron jackson right here on kuci 88.9 fm minerva my uh, guest today john morlock he's the second district board of supervisor supervisor if you want to say it twice i guess we only have about a minute left i want you to get in you're you're running now right for 2010 re-election and you, you get two terms as a supervisor you, you think you think it's going to be smooth sailing for you Oh, you got to give it to me in 15, 20 seconds. You think wait, we, we, we hope we could clear the field, but you never know. And so I'm, you feel, I've got you fundraisers feel, planned for the year and we'll build confident? the work. You know, I, 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 I have been really fortunate at the feedback I've gotten from taxpayers appreciating what I'm doing. All right. There are a few small groups that, you know, that don't like what I've done, but, but that's good. That's, that's all part of the, the deal. That's why you have to run for office. You have to, def, you have to defend what you've done and you got to explain what you're going to do and i think i've at least done what i said i would do in this term outstanding uh supervisor john morlock thank you so much for coming on the show again it's been a fast hour it always goes by quick but i do thank you and thank you cameron and have a great fourth you too by everybody have a great fourth